Well, good morning, everyone. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Hosanna to our King. Welcome this morning to City Church. Passion Sunday, Palm Sunday. So honored that you're with us today. I just want to thank the worship team, Miranda and uh, Rob and Tom and all the guys, the video guys, and the sound guys, and the tech guys in the back. Can you give them a great big hand this morning? Uh, when I started a ministry, they didn't even use video projectors. Uh, when I first started, they, some churches still used the hymn book. Anybody remember singing out of the hymn book? And then they graduated to singing off the wall. They projected it, you know, had a projector. And, and it would be the same person up there forget that they're supposed to flip the slide over and and it would be crooked and somebody had to ride it out with their hands it was just a really fun time then we graduated to video projectors and now we are really media driven and i'm really grateful we have a great talented group of people and i really want to thank them this morning for making everything happen and you know you don't you don't even notice they're there until there's a little glitch in the system isn't that right you know a glitch in the lights a glitch in the system Hey, just a couple things I do need to mention, and I want you to know that I am so grateful. We have an incredible preaching team here at City Church. Last week, Pastor Glenn brought the word, the deliverer. Oh, it was just awesome. Great job. I mean, it was just awesome. I need it. I'm on the front. Yeah, I take that. I receive it. And then Keith, the week before, the story of Joseph, he did a, he did, it was a grand slam. We like grand slam, grand slam. So I got a lot to live up to today, but I am grateful for all these young men here at City Church that love God and have a passion to proclaim and preach the word. I do want to mention this morning just a couple of things quickly. The first one is this 15 for 15. Uh, next Sunday is City Church's 15th year anniversary. Come on, amen? And I just want to say we've come a long ways, baby. We've come a long ways from the beginning days in Altamont Springs in an old movie theater to see all that God has done in our life. We are so grateful. We're bringing a special offering next Sunday. We'll be receiving that at the end of the service. And uh, this year, our missions project that we're supporting is a trip to Dominica, the DR. I'll just say DR. I can never get it exactly right. And so I just want to make sure I do that. And then uh, uh, you have, I think you're going to be handed some of these on your way out, or you can take some of these. These are little invite postcards, really kind of nice, glossy. And, you know, the focus, obviously, attractional for people that don't go to Christ or people that attend maybe a church once or twice a year. That would be the Easter egg hunt. And it's just a tool, just a hook. It's just a way to get people in the door. We're not about Easter eggs. We're about the resurrection. We're about King Jesus. We love him, but we recognize that there's all kinds of tools and all kinds of ways to just attract people to the glorious message of Jesus Christ. And so I would encourage you to hand these out. We always have great celebration services, and we're believing God for great things. And then the last thing I want to mention before I get into the message this morning is uh, last week Pastor Glenn mentioned it, and on the back of your Connect card, which we'll be collecting at the end of the service, there's a little place for you to fill in a name. Someone that needs deliverance. Someone this morning, we're going to hear about Jesus, the Son of God. Someone that needs to know Christ as the Son of God. Someone that you can invite this week to our Easter resurrection services this coming week. Everyone say, I got it. Good. All right. If you stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word. Stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word. We're going to turn in our Bibles this morning to Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. We're going to begin with verse number 1. Verse number one. If you're following along in the story, I do need to mention that, uh, and if you're new here to City Church, this is your first time, we are in a 
31-week journey, and we're going through the story. And it has just been incredible. It's been awesome. And we're talking about God's story, the upper story, God's eternal purpose and plan. And what we've done is we, we were in chapter 4. Past, last week was chapter 4. We're going to skip all the way to the best part. We're going to skip all the way to God's plan, which was King Jesus. We're going to skip to chapter 25. So this coming week in your reading, you'll read chapter 25 for those of you that are following along. And I would encourage you. The books are five bucks. If you don't have one, get one of these. This is the Bible. It is the Bible. It's just kind of condensed down. There's, you know, it's not every, it's not all the Gospels, but it is the story of the Gospel. It's the story of God's story at work in human lives. And so I'd encourage you to do that this morning. If you have your Bibles, Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, beginning with verse number 1. And the Bible says that as they approached Jerusalem and as they came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying, Go to the village ahead of you. And just as you enter it, you will find a colt there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street and tied it at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to. And the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and while others spread branches they had cut in the fields, those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I want you to repeat that with me. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Verse number 10. And blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. I have one big idea I want you to hear this morning. Here, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God, and He's all you need. This morning, our pastoral prayer, we are praying for our city. We're praying for the resurrection services, not only here at City Church, but in, co- in community churches all over Seminole County in our area. I ask you to join with me this morning as we begin to pray for next weekend's services. Father, I thank you this morning for the grand plan that you had from the foundation of the world, that you would send your one and only Son, Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you that you came to earth 2,000 years ago to live and fulfill the mission for which you were called. We thank you, Jesus, that you being the exact representation of the Father, God himself with human skin on came, and you fulfilled that mission. And for that, we say thank you today. Thank you that you are the Son of God. And Jesus, thank you that your Holy Spirit is here today. You promised to never leave us. And there are people all over the community of Sanford. There are people all over Lake Mary, people all over Oviedo, Winter Springs, Geneva, Longwood, Altamont Springs. There are people all over our community that need to know the glorious grace of our God and Savior, King Jesus. And God, I pray for our resurrection services next weekend. I pray that your grace will move in a powerful way. I pray for those who hear, God, there will be a conviction of heart to recognize that they need you. 
God, we come into an agreement as a church family, and we are praying blessing on every life-giving church in our community, over the Baptists and the Methodists and the non-denominationals and the interdenominationals, and God, over the Methodists and the Church of God in Christ and the American Baptists and the AMEs and God, all the different fellowships, God, that are represented in this community. We pray that it would be a great day of celebration and victory. And God, now upon our own house, we pray the favor of the Lord. Draw hungry and thirsty. God, we're believing for a great 15th anniversary. In Jesus, your mighty and powerful name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. Our goal this morning, our goal through this journey is to stamp out biblical illiteracy. That's our goal. We're introducing you. We're introducing our church to God. His story. The upper story, the, the plan of God, the Bible says, from the foundation of the world. And something happens when God's story comes and intersects with our story, our lives are changed. And I want you to know this morning, we all got a story. The old preacher boy used to say, you might see my glory, but you don't know my story. The fact is, today we've all got a story. I want you to watch this morning a story of a couple in our church that God has done a great work in their life. Check this out this morning. Our story. Before Christ came into our life, um, our life was a mess. Our relationship was really bad and broken. Um, there was a lot of hurt, anger, pain, frustration, and we basically lived two separate lives in the same house. And about a year and a half ago, my husband came to City Church, and he was a completely changed person. And even though I had grown up in the church and I, I still knew God was there, I'd kind of put him on the back burner. And I saw what he was going through, so I came to City Church. And our lives are totally changed now. Yeah. Um, our relationship is so much better. We talk now. We do things together. We laugh. We pray together. We read the Word together. And um, financially, we could never be better uh, we don't struggle to pay our bills. We have a little extra that we give um, wherever God tells us to give it to. Um, in, in missions or anybody He directs us to. And it's just awesome the way He changed my life. And when He changed my life, it changed everything at home. Everything I do, the way I look at people, the way I talk to people, the way I deal with people. Because before I was, I was so hurt and broken that I was in so much pain. I wanted you to feel as bad as I felt, so I made everybody around me feel that way. And now the grace and the mercy He's poured out on my life and my wife's life and our family life, I want to share that with everyone I meet. I just cannot tell you what God has done in my life and healed me in ways that I can't even explain to some people. It's just, it, it, it's awesome. Our life is complete now. The missing piece has been added to our lives, and everything has fallen into place. This, this is our, our... Come on, amen. <laughs> their story was changed when Jesus, the Son of God, entered into their world. You know, the fact is today, in our planet, in our world, in Western civilization, in America, and all over the world, people ask the question, who is Jesus? fact is, is that he is the center point of history. Nations, nations have ruled. Kingdoms have changed. Lives, generations, the way cultures do things are constantly in flux. But there's this one constant. 
there's this person in human history that is named Jesus that seems to be the focal point. That everywhere you go, there is this question, who is Jesus? This morning, I want to present to you that Jesus is the Son of God. See, in Jesus' generation, some people thought he was a fraud. People today think he's a hoax. You can listen to atheists trying to debate, and there's all these debates in our culture today about who Jesus really is and whether he really existed or whether he really lived. And the fact is today, the fact is today, 2,000 years later, people are still talking about Jesus. Still talking about him. Uh, A couple of years ago, there was a man that was arrested I don't know if you put his picture up on the screen for me. I appreciate that. Uh, this guy was arrested in Massachusetts. His name was Christian Carl. And the Germans in the audience helped me out with the last name here. But we're just going to lead that one. But Christian Carl was arrested. Now, Christian Carl is an interesting guy. He lived uh, his life as a fraud. Uh, for uh, many years, from the time that he came to America at the age of 17, he was basically a shyster. I mean, even, even as a young person, he, he lived in a fantasy world. He was always recreating and reinventing himself. And he came over here as a foreign exchange student. He lived with the family in a short period of time because of his shenanigans. They moved him on out to the road to another place. And then he moved in with another family, and, and that didn't go well. And he found himself in California. In this process, this guy, Christian, kept reinventing himself. His accent, his what he talked, and, and he had a great fascination with fame. He had a great fascination with money and wealth. And what he would do is uh, he would go into a community, and he would go to the wealthiest Episcopalian church, and he would make friends with the old ladies. That's what he did. And at the age of 18, 19, he was living in Southern California, and he was portraying himself as a movie director. Movie director. And he became so good at casting off these different identities that people actually believed him. Fast forward a few years, and in 1995, he got some kind of bright idea that he would become a Rockefeller. He'd become a Rockefeller. He changed his name, and he became Rockefeller. Clark Rockefeller was his name, and he portrayed himself. He dressed the part. He hung out in the right places. He he went to the right clubs. He he had the right language. He sold himself. He ended up getting jobs for hundreds of thousands of dollars that he was never even qualified for because he was such a great con man. Didn't last long. Today you see his mug shut. He's sitting in a California prison where he'll spend the rest of the life. Because Clark, Clark Rockefeller wasn't Clark Rockefeller. He was Christian Carl Gesundheit. <laughs> oh, tough one there. He was a fraud. He couldn't keep it up. For 12 years of his life, he tried to live as Christian Rockefeller, and his whole world fell apart. Whole world couldn't do it. You know, throughout the generations, people have thought about Jesus. They've had all kinds of thoughts about who he is and what, well, you know, it isn't really real. And. Maybe you've even had those questions in your own mind. Is he really God? The backdrop to our story this morning, the backdrop to Passion Sunday, to Palm Sunday, the backdrop to our story this morning is that King Jesus was coming to Jerusalem for his final time. The final time that Jesus would make his entrance into Jerusalem, things were different. Things were different. There was an anticipation. There was an, an excitement in the air. I, I mean, we just come through March Madness, and if you're a college basketball fan and you like to play, you know, the different, you know, kind of the picks, if you would have picked it all right, the bracket, the 64 bracket, Warren Buffett would have given you a billion dollars, but, but no one won. <laughs> no one won the billion because no one can win. It's just, it's just, it's just there's something about college basketball and March Madness and, 
And when it got to the final four, I didn't care anymore because my team was out. But, but I know that anticipation. I know that sense of excitement that was in the air. I mean, it was all over. Television, the news, and offices, and people were talking about it. Who's gonna, you know, who's gonna win? Who's, who is going to be the the best college basketball team in America? The environment, the atmosphere that surrounded this event of Jesus riding into Jerusalem that day was very similar. There was an excitement. There was an air because something had happened differently over these past three years. There was this man named Jesus, and he was making some outrageous claims. He was doing some outrageous things, and he was saying things that were rocking. People's world. Jesus, when he entered into planet Earth, when he came upon the scene, he had a primary ministry. He had a primary focus. And his threefold ministry encompassed three, th- these three things. First of all, Jesus taught the way of the kingdom. I need some water, please. Somebody help me. <clears throat> Jesus taught the way of the kingdom. The Bible says that the people were amazed at his teaching. What were they amazed at? Or the things that Jesus said that they'd never heard anyone else say. Well, Jesus said something like this. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Jesus said, do good to those who despitefully use you. Jesus said, love your enemies. Jesus said, forgive people 70 times 7. Jesus said, come to me, surrender your life Fully and completely to me. I mean, Jesus said some radical things. Things that rocked the world. Jesus rocked the religious establishment of his generation. He said, don't be a hypocrite. Don't practice this outward form of religion while your inward person is all goofed up. While your inward person is living another kind of life. Don't do that. Don't do that. Jesus spoke of the reality of heaven and the kingdom of God for the future, but it was also in the present. Jesus proclaimed, Jesus Jesus taught that heaven was real, but He also taught that hell was hot and forever was a long time. As a matter of fact, Jesus spoke more on the reality of separation from God and hell than He ever talked about heaven. Jesus said some things that people had never said. He spoke with authority. He spoke with confidence. He spoke with assurity. They had never heard anyone speak with, like this before. The rabbis, the other teachers of the law, and Jesus' generation were always quoting some famous rabbi. Well, this rabbi taught this, and this rabbi taught this, and we believe this. I know the Word says this, but you know, it doesn't quite work that way in our reality now. And they taught things that were contrary. They taught things that were contrary to God's Word, God's law, and they were making people, Jesus said, twice the sons of hell. You win one convert and you make them more goofed up and more bound up trying to find your reli- follow your religious rules and system than God ever intended. Jesus taught some amazing things. No one had ever spoken the words that Jesus had spoken. There was the ethical, the moral obligation to his kingdom. It was not just a kingdom of talk, but it was also a kingdom of action. If you were going to live the abundant life, there were some things that you would do. There are some things that would be your responsibility to live out. But then Jesus not only taught the people. The Bible says that Jesus proclaimed the message of God's kingdom. I mean, T.D. Jakes doesn't hold a candle to King Jesus. 
when Jesus stood and He began to proclaim the message of the kingdom, Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus proclaimed boldly that you must change the way that you think about your life. You must change the way that you think about your Father in heaven. You must think of, change the way that you think about religion and relationship with Him. He boldly proclaimed, it's good news. The kingdom of heaven is here. It's not out there someplace. It's not just pie in the sky. But the kingdom of God is now. My kingdom is here. My kingdom is now. And my kingdom lives within those who believe. It's right here. It was the proclamation. It was the bold proclamation of the gospel. The good news of Jesus. Jesus proclaimed. But Jesus not only proclaimed. Jesus also demonstrated with power the way of the kingdom. You see, Jesus did things that no man had ever done. Matthew's Gospel, talking about the ministry of Jesus, it says he traveled to the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues. Hear me today. He taught in the synagogues. There's a lot of confusion about Jesus. You know, he's always hanging out with sinners. And yes, he did that. And he hung out with gluttons. And yes, he did that. And he was falsely accused of all kinds of things. But Jesus was Jewish. He was a good Jew. He always went to the temple. It was the place that Jews had always recognized as the place of worship. And in the synagogue, Jesus demonstrated power. He demonstrated. He announced the kingdom. And the Bible says He healed every kind of sickness and disease. Listen to this, verse number 24. And news about Him spread. His name became famous. And people soon began bringing to Him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease or if they had any demon possession or epileptic or paralyzed, He healed them all. He healed them all. King Jesus, the Son of God, demonstrated in great power the entrance of God's kingdom. You see, today I want you to know it wasn't just a kingdom of words, but it was a kingdom of power. Lives were changed. Bondages were broken. The sick were healed. But here's the cool thing. Jesus commissioned His disciples with that same authority and that same power. The fact is, 2,000 years later, Jesus never relinquished the message of the kingdom. He never said, hey guys, stop teaching that. He never said, hey guys, stop proclaiming that. He never said, hey guys, these miracles and power that's for this generation, hey, it's just for your day. In the future, they'll have this little book and that's be all they need. No, no, no. Jesus released them with power to go and minister. And the Bible says that everywhere they went, they boldly proclaimed the name of Jesus. They made His name famous in their generation. And there were signs and wonders that followed. People were healed. People were delivered. Daryl and Anita showed up at City Church on a Sunday morning and they heard the name Jesus. They heard about the fame of Jesus, how He could change their life. And because the Gospel was boldly proclaimed, yes, we thank God for medicine. We thank God for doctors and counselors and all that kind of stuff. But I want you to know today, it takes one touch from King Jesus. One touch from Jesus. And your life will never be the same again. Oh, Jesus. Jesus fulfilled His mission for which He came. I love the way John, Jesus, one of Jesus' closest friends, hung out with Jesus. I mean, come on, he traveled with Jesus. He ministered. 
He had that revelation. And He boldly declared, He boldly declared, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest, that He might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy Satan's power. Jesus came to set the captive free. Jesus came to give hope to the hopeless. Jesus came to fill with peace to those who had no peace. Jesus came to bring love to those who didn't have love. Jesus came. He was and is our King. See, the purpose, the purpose that day of Jesus entering in on a donkey, the purpose was twofold. The first was to publicly proclaim His Lordship. To publicly proclaim His Lordship. I want you to know today, no matter what people think, no matter what the newscasters say, no matter what the debaters and the argumenters try to, try to discourage you from believing, no matter what historians try to teach, you know, I find it interesting this time of year, every year, this time of year, all the television programs that try to recast who Jesus was, try to recast another image of Jesus, try to, well, Jesus, well, you know, yeah, but these were just myths and fables, and, but this is who Jesus really was. I'm boldly telling you today that Jesus, Jesus is who exactly who He said He is. Jesus said, I am the Messiah. Jesus said, I am the Lord. Jesus said, I am the Son of David. Jesus declared His Lordship when He walked on planet Earth. And He was there that day riding in on the fold of a donkey, boldly proclaiming that He was Lord. He was King of Kings. Lord of Lords. He was the Alpha and the Omega. He was the beginning and the end. He was and is God forever, ever, and ever. Someone said amen this morning. See, Jesus publicly declared His Lordship. But there were prophecies that had to be fulfilled concerning Jesus. Zechariah said these words in chapter 9. He said these words hundreds of years before Jesus ever came to the planet. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout! <laughs> Like the word shout in the Bible. I like it. It just gives me a reason to shout, you know. <laughs> shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious. Righteous and victorious. Lowly, riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. How did our king ride into Jerusalem that day? I want you to know he came as a champion. He came as a conquering king, not over nations, but over the hearts of men, women, and boys and girls around the planet. He didn't come prancing in. He came lowly in. Jesus didn't come in with some kind of fanfare with a military army. He came with a ragtag group of young people proclaiming that he was the Lord. He was the Messiah. He was the king. And he came to change the destinies of nations. See, in that day, that day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem, there were many people. I call them faces in the crowd. There were all kinds of people that day. There was a sense. There was something different. Listen, guys, you got to. We don't have this in our culture. We don't. We don't have this concept of like a you know a royalty being passed on like they do in England. You know, they got that, and you know, they got the prince, and they got the the, the guy that's going to be maybe the king, whatever his name is, and his wife. Kate, I know her name, Kate. She's way better looking than him. I remember that. But but you know, I mean, there's always this anticipation in England. Who's going to be the king? Charles going to live, his, his mom going to outlive him, and, you know, she's the queen. And We don't have that in our culture. We really don't. You know, we change presidents every eight years. You know, it's supposed to be a four-year term, but if you get elected one time, you're automatically in for two. It's the way it works. And, and, and so, 
<laughs> it's just the way it works, you know. And there's a little bit like who's going to be the next Republican, who's going to be the next Democrat, you know, who's going to be the next one. But not like this. For a thousand years, a thousand years from the time of King David, there had been an anticipation. See, David was the king. <laughs> oh, he was a mighty man of God. He brought prominence. He brought prestige. He built a palace. He wanted to build a temple, but he wasn't allowed to. But he set his son up for a glorious kingdom. In David's generation and Solomon's generation, his son, Israel was the brightest spot on the planet Earth. We know under Solomon's reign, the kings from around the world came to learn from him. It was a place of beauty. It was a place of abundance. It was a place where the temple stood upon the hill in Jerusalem there and shone out. And worshipers would come from around the world. And from that time, from that time on, there had been this anticipation that a Messiah was going to come. Moses spoke of it. The prophets spoke of it. David spoke of it. They all spoke of this Messiah. There was an anticipation. And when Jesus rode into the streets of Jerusalem that day on the back of a donkey, there was this buzz. There was this excitement. Who is this man? Who is this man? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10 says, the entire city of Jerusalem was in uproar as he entered. And they said, who is this? Who is this? Well, his family was there that day. But his family, they thought Jesus was a bad man. His family, uh, you know what, Jesus, you know, you've gone just a little bit too far here. Uh, we're going to take you over to the doctor. And he's going to give you a little yellow pill and a purple pill. He's going to help you calm down a little bit. You just need to calm down, Jesus. <laughs> his family was there. The Bible actually says that his family said, he is mad. He's mad. He's beyond himself. Come on, Jesus, you know, let's, let's settle down. This Messiah thing, you've taken a little bit too far. God, come on now. <laughs> You know, I mean, you know, Mary, I, I gave birth to you. I saw you come out. Brothers, sisters, who is this? Just the son of Joseph, just a carpenter. He's mad. His family was there. They weren't getting in. Not only was his family there, his foes were there. People who diabolically disbelieved, didn't want anything to do with him. They believed that he was causing way too many problems. They rejected his messiahship. As a matter of fact, one of the gospel writers says that they went around Galilee and Judea and the Jerusalem, the Jewish leaders were there looking for a way to kill him. Why they wanted to kill him? Because he was messing up their world. He was messing up the religious system. He was, mess, he was just messing with him. He was messing up their economic system. Hey, man, we've got these things working out pretty good here. We've finally got kind of a good place with Rome. Don't, don't be messing this up. You're, you're a radical. You're a zealot. You're, you're stirring things up. No one likes someone, you know, a radical. But radicals are the only ones that ever push the ball forward. Whether, whether you're a liberal or conservative, radicals, the ones who strongly believe what they really believe, are the ones that push and move things forward in culture. They, they, they couldn't stand it. The deeds. The, he healed on the Sabbath. You're not allowed to heal on the Sabbath. That's against our traditions. He, he, he was a threat of their way of life. The thing that really outraged them is that he claimed to be God. He claimed to be God. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. Take him away. The Lord our God. The Lord our God. He's our God. Lord our God is one. You can't be him. You can't be him. 
His foes were there that day, trust me. Because it was just within a few days that Jesus would be falsely accused, tried, and hung upon the cross. But not only were his foes there, the Romans were there. And listen, the Romans didn't care about this guy. I mean, you know, Pilate's there, and he's trying to work it all through, you know, and Jesus goes for trial. But honestly, the Romans, they just wanted to keep the peace. Uh, Historians call it Pax Romana today. It just means the peace of Rome. They just, come on, guys, hey, 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 Russia, don't get too out of hand here. Leave Ukraine alone. You're going to mess up the whole thing. NATO's going to get real nervous. And Hey, come on, just don't do that. You're going to... You're going to mess up what we've got. We're the biggest guys in the block. We've got things going pretty good here, generation after generation. We're prosperous and wealthy. We're taking over the world. We're doing good. Our system, our government, our way of living is a good way of life. You know, we have First Amendment, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly. Don't be messing with that. You know, don't be messing with our economic system. That's all they were concerned about. And this guy was a nuisance. He was stirring people up. And they just, you know, when things start to get stirred up, markets get nervous. You know, if you're an investor today, you invest in the stock market, or you, you understand a little about the market, you realize that one thing that the markets don't like is uncertainty. And the moment things get a little bit uncertain, the moment things start to get a little shaky, and we'll, you'll just watch the market drop. Fear and greed, that's what drives the market. Fear and greed. Fearful things are going to blow up, escalate, whatever it is. And for the Romans, Jesus was just a nuisance. He was stirring things up. They didn't need this. Things are going great. But there were many Jews there. Many Jews, many Jews, they didn't fully understand. They laid out their cloaks. And they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the son of David. The son of David. There were some people there. They got it. They got it. There were some followers of him, of Jesus, that got it. There was one woman in particular, always been struck by her revelation of Jesus. Her name is Martha. She's kind of gotten a bad rap in the church. Just kind of gotten a bad rap because, you know, Martha, you know, she's working, running around, her Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. But Martha is the one that had a revelation of Jesus. Her brother had been dead for four days. Four days she was in the grave, and Jesus comes, and Jesus says, Martha, do you believe? I love what Martha says. Martha actually says these words to Jesus, Lord. I know, I know that my brother will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever, believe, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And listen to her revelation. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son. God, I believe. What about you today? What about you today? What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe? Good guy? Moral teacher? I don't know about that religious stuff. Yeah, he's God, but you know, I've got to take care of some things on my own here. You know? You know, God helps those who help themselves. What do you believe about him today? How do you see Jesus? I love C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity. He penned these words. They've been floating around. You can read these all over the Internet. But these words are just so powerful about Jesus. Listen to what he says. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, PBS, NPR. He did not intend to. Liar, lunatic, or Lord. Those are the only options to consider. 
He is the Son of God. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is King Jesus. He is God all by Himself. He is God with human skin on. He is God with human skin on. The Bible says the Son is the radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of His being. He is the exact representation of God because Jesus is God. How do you see Him today? What revelation do you need of Jesus today? Martha had the revelation. Jesus, I believe. I know that you are the Messiah. I know. See, I don't know about you today, but, but I need a revelation of Jesus in my life. I do. I'm walking through some stuff today. You know, I, I'm going through some challenges today. And I need a revelation of Jesus. You see, all throughout Scripture, you just see when Jesus showed up on the scene, there were people that had revelation of who He was. But i got to tell you, it was all based upon their desperation. It was all based. In other words, they couldn't fix it. They couldn't heal it. They couldn't do it. They just couldn't. And when Jesus passed their way, bam! Okay, nothing like this has ever happened before. I have never said, I just believe. What else do I got to do? I mean, I believe Jesus would see that faith. And he would say, son, your faith has healed you. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go. Pick up your mat and walk. Because they believed. Man is in the tombs. And I don't know how he got there, but man, his life is messed up. He's addicted. And, you know, Jesus just called it for what it was. He was possessed by demons. And he needed to deliver. And Jesus passes by and he runs up and he falls at his feet. Oh, Jesus, he begins to worship. At that moment, he had a revelation that Jesus was his Savior. The word Savior means to be delivered. At that moment, Jesus, I need you. He cries out. Jesus speaks to the powers of darkness over his life. And he was immediately set free. Oh, another man comes. Another man comes and, and he needs a changed life. Jesus is standing. I love it in John's Gospel. It says that Jesus went to the temple. He went to church. He went to church. And He got His church on. And He stood up in the temple. And He wasn't uncertain. I I don't like theological uncertainties. I focus on the things I do understand. And what I understand today is that Jesus is Savior. But He's not only my Savior today. He's my baptizer. He's the one who fills me with the Spirit. Let me tell you today, Jesus stood up in that temple and He cried out on that great and last day of the feast. Oh, listen to me, folks. He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And thus, He spoke of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, what's the revelation you need of Jesus? John, the baptized, He said, I'm not even worthy to untie His his shoes, but there's one coming. This is Him. He's the Messiah, and He will baptize you. He will fill you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Oh, He is your baptizer today. You need to be set free. Junk's been hanging on wrong wrong mind. That's all that Jesus wants to sanctify you by His Spirit today. He wants to help you understand you've got a new identity. The Spirit of Christ is in you today. Maybe you need to see Him as your healer. Christ is healer today. It hasn't changed, folks. Jesus is not confused. God's not confused. Everywhere that Jesus went, He was moved with compassion. Jesus 
is the healer. There was a guy blind, born, from, born that way from birth. His name is Bart. I called him Blind Bart. Just a few verses before Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. This guy's on the side of the road. This guy's on the side of the road. Jesus is passing his way. And he needs a healing. You don't need a healing until you need a healing. <laughs> you don't need a revelation of Jesus as a healer until you need the revelation of Jesus as a healer. Isn't that right? Jesus is passing his way. Oh, y'all. Oh. He can't see with his natural eyes. He can see with the spiritual eyes. See, that's where revelation, that's where your life is changed. When you go from the natural to the spiritual, when you go from intellect to spirit, when you go from knowledge to faith, Jesus! Oh, Son of David! Oh, Messiah! Jesus, God! Oh, Jesus, over here, blind Bart, can't see you, but I know you're the Messiah. Have mercy on me. People, oh, shut up. People around, come on, keep quiet, keep quiet. What do you, what do you think? God doesn't work like that anymore today. You know, I mean, that was a long time ago. We got this thing here called the Bible now. And, you know, that's, go to the good doctor, take care. And that's good, that's good. We want great, we want great doctors and we want the best and all that. Oh, Doctors have done all they can do. You need a revelation of the great physician. You need to know that Jesus, Son of David, will have mercy on you. And the Bible says that at that moment, Jesus stopped and he said, Man, your faith has made you whole. At that moment, his eyes were open and he immediately followed Jesus and he was the face of the crowd. He had a revelation of Jesus that day that he was his healer. But I want you to know today, he's not only your healer, he's your soon coming king. Jesus said, Behold, behold, I come quickly. I'm going to give every man according to what he's done. Here's the deal, here's the deal guys. Here's the deal. We're going to get exactly what we deserve, whether we like it or not. And Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming. We don't talk about it enough. When I grew up, it's always talked about. Now we've gone to the other extreme. We never talk about it. We're living for the hour. We're living, you know, we're not thinking of eternity. Jesus is coming again. He is your soon coming king today. He's your soon coming king today. And the Bible says that every eye will see him. The trumpet will sound. The archangel will blow. And those who were dead in Christ will arise. And we which are alive and remaining will join him in the air. He's coming again. He's coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon. He's our glorious King. He's our King of Kings. And He loves you. Today, He wants you to see Him in a new way. He wants you to get a fresh revelation. I don't care how long you've been. Sometimes the biggest problems people have is they've been in the church too long. And the longer you're in this thing, the duller it gets. I heard that one before. Like, oh, Pastor got a little fired up today. Shandai, oh. Oh, you've done real good. You got spit all over the place today. Oh, 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 good. You need a revelation of who Jesus is. Come on, you need a I don't know. You know, I love Pastor Glenn so much. He just helps me. Last week, man, he brought this card out. I loved it. He had this little blank box in it. And I want you to take the card. There's someone that you know this week that needs a revelation of Jesus. And they don't know it. 
And you're their conduit. You're their connection. You're the only Bible that they'll ever read. I want to challenge you today. Put their name in there. Just a moment. Pastor Glenn's going to come and close the service. We're going to receive the offering. All this stuff that we do. But I want you to hear me today. There's someone that you know that needs to see Jesus for who he is. You know them. You work with them. You talk to them. Your next door neighbor. And how uncomfortable it is. My next door neighbor on one side is Muslim. My next door neighbor on the other side is a couple of lesbian ladies. Nice, they're all nice people. Guy across the street living with his girlfriend. Oh, I get it. I get the challenge. I understand. You're the conduit. I mean, we have, we're going to have a great celebration service. It's going to be a lot of fun next weekend. Four o'clock, six o'clock Saturday. All the services Friday night. Take just a moment. Write their name in there. Can you do that for me this morning? Just take the card out. Come on, take the card out. Write the name in there right now. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for your friends. We're going to pray for your family members that need a revelation of who Jesus is. After you write their name, and I want you to close your eyes. Because in this room this morning, in this room today, at the sound of my voice, there's someone here, you need a revelation. You need a revelation of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've never had a revelation that Jesus is your God. He's your Savior. You've never been forgiven. You know it today. You know that your life isn't right with God. Guys, that's your next step today. God's here. It's been boldly proclaimed. You sense Him speaking to your heart. Worship team's coming right now. Please, no one looking. Believers, please please pray. There's got to be one person in this room. You need Him as your Savior. You need Him to forgive you of your sins. Tired of living your life on your own, trying to do it yourself. And you're here this morning, and you want to accept Christ. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on, in this room right now. Anyone in this room? See that hand. I see that hand. Come on, anyone else? Come on, I see that hand. Put your hand down. Thank you. Anyone else before we move on to this next one? How about you're here this morning, and you need a fresh filling. God's Spirit. You need a fresh revelation that Jesus is your baptizer. If that's you this morning on the count of three, can you raise your hand? One, two, three. Come on, in this room right now. Come on, believers, all across this room. How about your healer today? Anyone here this morning need a revelation of Jesus as your healer? Come on, on the count of three. One, two, three. In this room right now. I want everyone to stand with me this morning. You, you raised your hand and you need a revelation. We're not going to prolong this, but I'm going to ask you to come. You raise your hand. You need a revelation of Jesus this morning. I want you to make your way out of these altars, whatever, whatever it was, whatever you responded to. Let's take just a moment. I'm going to invite you to come to these altars right now. Come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus loves you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's others that need to come. You raise your hand. Need a revelation of Jesus. Hallelujah. He loves you this morning. He's your healer. As you come in this morning to the altar, I want you to lift your hand towards heaven. I just want you to begin to cry out to him. Come on, you're coming this morning. I want you to lift your hand towards heaven. Whatever you have need of, he knows right now. It's good. Yes, the Lord is good forever. And I shall. Believers, pray for these that have come this morning. Come on, there are those that need healing. Some of the deacons come. Please lay hands on the backs of these people. 
Come on, we're believing for miracles. We're believing for miracles. We're believing for healing today. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, that you're the deliverer, that you're the healer today. Forever. Hallelujah. today. Jesus, you're the Savior today. Jesus, you're here today. Lord, to fill with your Holy Spirit. God, I'm praying for a fresh infilling. God, I pray that you will fill today. You will, you will save today. Back 